Welcome to Horty Springer's Health Law Expressions Podcast on a segment we like to call the Kickback Chronicles. I'm Henry Cassell. And I'm Hala Mazoffer. We invite you to kick back and relax as we dive into this week's case. The title of today's podcast is Testing Positive for Fraud. Today's case takes us back to California, again, to consider a Medicare scheme focused on a specific type of genetic testing. Now, we've discussed the topic of genetic testing before, and we made the point to say that this is the type of testing that is fertile ground for fraud. And today's case is no different, Henry. So this particular case focuses on pharmacogenetic testing. We're just going to call it PGX testing, which is a type of genetic testing that identifies genetic variants that affect how an individual patient metabolizes certain drugs. These types of tests are used to determine whether a medication could be an effective treatment for you or whether you could have side effects to a specific medication. It's known as a type of precision medicine. As you can imagine, there are a lot of diseases that this could be really helpful for. For instance, cancer, heart disease, certain infections, and so on. It's a really innovative type of medicine that I think really helps optimize patient care. I'll tell you how innovative it is, Hala. In my now long, long gone days as a pharmacist, I actually took a continuing education class on this very subject, and it is truly amazing how technology can be used to design certain medications to address a certain, a person's specific genetic makeup, a true advance in medicine. However, as with many other good things in life, there are villains waiting in the shadows to capitalize on these helpful procedure, which brings us to today's case. This case involves a whole soccer team's worth of people and more companies than we can count. But to make it simple for you today, and more importantly, to make it simple for us, we will be focusing only on the most recently convicted participant in this scheme, Stephen Donofrio. And why, you may ask, are we singling out Mr. Donofrio? Because even after 10 of his co-conspirators pled guilty, and another was convicted by a jury following a month-long trial, Mr. Donofrio decided to roll the dice and take his chances with a jury. Now, judging by his being the subject of this episode on a podcast we call The Kickback Chronicles, you might be able to guess how that turned out for him. But, Hala, why don't you tell us what Mr. Donofrio and a gaggle of others were charged with in this case and why he could possibly think that a jury trial might not be in his best interest. Yeah, Henry. So Mr. Donofrio resided in Temecula, California, but was a member of a company called Gene Matrix, a Nevada-based company. That's going to be important later on. So the center of the scheme is another company called Vantari, a California-based lab that specialized in the PGX testing. Vantari used a network of distributors in order to market their PGX tests to physicians throughout the country. Unfortunately, the defendants in this case chose to market the PGX tests in what we like to think of as our classic Kickback Chronicles pyramid scheme. So the way this scheme was structured put Vantari at the top of the pyramid. They then used this network of distributors below them who secured referrals for the PGX tests provided specimen collectors, and trained physicians' offices on DNA collection, which was just a swab of a patient's cheek. And then some of these distributors even had sub-distributors under them, the perfect pyramid scheme. So after receiving 
PGX referrals from their distributors, Vantari would submit claims to Medicare and private insurance carriers, first through an entity we'll call Lab One, and then through another company called Genetic Technological Innovations, and later through even a different entity, which we'll just call Lab Two. What the government was interested in was how each distributor and sub-distributor was paid for the services they provided. Here, the feds have appeared to have taken a page out of Woodward and Bernstein's description of in the Watergate saga when they were told by the witness that they would only identify as deep throat to follow the money. Because there are some things called a speaking indictment. Well, this is a screaming indictment, which the more you read it, screams follow the money. The laboratory paid Ventari for the referral of an arranging for healthcare business for which payment was made in whole or in part under the Medicare program. Ventari in turn paid its distributors and again sub-distributors for the same in a very specific way. Originally, distributors received a percentage of net collected reimbursement for the referral of arranging for healthcare business, regardless of payer. Here, the net collected reimbursement were defined as payments received by, by Vantari from Medicare and private carriers. This allowed the DOJ to allege and eventually prove that the payments were in reality kickbacks that were determined in a manner that took into account the volume or value of referrals or business generated between the parties for which payment was made in whole or in part under the Medicare, Medicaid, or other federal health care programs. At some point, Ventari changed his commission structure so that distributors were paid a percentage of net collected non-referral reimbursements, which were payments actually received by Ventari from any commercial insurance carrier or private payer. Here, I think that they were trying to distinguish between Medicare, which clearly they can't pay a percentage of the uh, amount collected, and non-Medicare, non federal health care program payers who are not subject to the anti-kickback statute. And with all these payments, they were made under the guise of activity reports, which purported to compensate contract contractor representatives for various activities performed for the benefit of Vantari. And as any good company would, Vantari kept excellent records of their scheme. It recorded all the PGX test referrals in order to document the exact distributor who was responsible for each particular referral. Now, this allowed Vantari to assign, pay, and track commissions to its various distributors. Now, you may be wondering, how did Mr. Donofrio get involved in this scheme? Well, you may remember that he was a member of Gene Matrix. And around April 2014, acting on the behalf of Gene Matrix, Mr. Don Frio facilitated and got the company to enter into a written agreement with Vantari to be one of its distributors. According to the government's indictment, the agreement was specifically for the referral of and arranging for healthcare business. Now, at first blush, Mr. Donofrio appears to have been an incredible negotiator because according to the original agreement, Gen Matrix would receive 35% of reimbursement received by Ventari for Gen Matrix generated referrals for PGX tests, regardless of the payer. This arrangement was later amended to give Gene Matrix 35% of net collected non-federal reimbursement received, plus a monthly payment of $3,000 for each active contractor representative. The agreement was then updated one more time, giving 
Gen Matrix, 50% of net collected non-federal reimbursements received by Vantari for Gene Matrix generated referrals, plus a monthly payment of 3000 for each active con- contractor representative. As a result of this arrangement, Gen Matrix was making a nice buck, but as life teaches one, and as Mr. Donofreo learned the hard way, it doesn't matter how much money you make. What's important is how much you get to keep. And I think Gene Matrix also got into some additional trouble here because they paid a company called Advanced Life Sciences to essentially be their sub-distributor for referring and arranging for healthcare business that would be paid by Medicare. And thanks to Vantari's excellent records, the government was able to specifically list out 15 separate illegal payments that Vantari made to Gene Matrix, the dates of the payment and the exact amounts transferred. While there may have been more, in total, the government was able to identify almost $1.3 million paid from Ventari to Gene Matrix. When you consider the length of this scheme, the players involved, the companies involved, and so on, more than $28 million in illegal kickback payments were exchanged by those involved in the conspiracy. And when there is that kind of price tag on a scheme, eventually someone has to pay. And pay they certainly did. So in December 2019, 12 individuals from three different states were charged with for their roles in this kickback conspiracy. As we mentioned earlier, eight pled guilty prior to trial and two others pled guilty to related charges. Now, before Mr. Donofrio, one of those defendants, oh, actually, one of those defendants even provided the government with a 34-page factual basis statement where he laid out the pyramid scheme and admitted to paying kickbacks. Now, despite this seemingly overwhelming body of evidence, not all the individuals charged copped a plea. Before Mr. Donofrio's trial in December 2021, one of his fellow co-conspirators took his case to trial and following a month-long trial was found guilty and sentenced to 48 months in federal prison, which is pretty considerable. Now, seeing all that, I would like to think that most people would have folded and worked out the best plea deal they possibly could. But not Mr. Donofrio. In May of this year, he left his fate in the hands of a jury to decide if he would be the only one who would be found not guilty out of the 12 people in the scheme who either admitted to their crime or provided evidence to the feds or were found guilty by jury. Now, in case you have not guessed, Mr. Donofrio did not make a wise choice. Following a two-week trial, Mr. Donofrio received the not-so-shocking news that a jury had found him guilty of being involved in a hit healthcare kickback conspiracy. Mr. Donofrio now awaits sentencing. We have no way of knowing what that sentence will be. However, I have a strong feeling that he is also about to learn the price that one must pay if you pass up a plea deal and make the DOJ prove their case in court. Expect the judge to throw the book at him. Jail, fines, restitution, civil forfeiture, and exclusion, which will make him, make him unemployable by any business that does business with a federal health care program. If we are able to find that sentence, we will keep our faithful li- listeners up to date and to, so they know the painful end of this story in a future episode of the Kickback Chronicles. If you want to learn more about the False Claims Act, the Anti-Kickback Statute, the Stark Law, and the amendments through these regulations, and much more, consider joining Dan Mulholland and myself in Phoenix on November 16th to 18th, 2023 for our next seminar. 
In the interim, be sure to check out the Hoarding Springer website to find out how to receive our free weekly newsletter, The Health Law Express, as well as for more information about new and upcoming opportunities on this and many other health law-related topics. Thanks for listening and tune in to the next edition of the Kickback Chronicles so you can keep learning from the misfortune of others.